the path to success is paved with fear, doubt, anxiety and failure. For some people, it's just too much. Others have the grit and determination to overcome. These are their stories. Welcome to the When It Worked podcast. I am your host, Julian Leahy. Uh, before I introduce my next guest, um, I just want to say that I talk to a lot of business coaches and people that are helping people in the process of running a business or setting up a business. And one thing I notice is that um, there's a lot of people doing that, but there is very few people that have actually had a business idea, created the business, run it, built it up, had a successful multi-million dollar exit. And then perhaps, I mean, those are the only people really that should be in a position to help people. And my next guest is one of these people. So welcome to the show, Phil Fraser. Hi, Julian. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excellent. So really good to talk to you. And um, because you, you've done some some great stuff in your own business life and um, now you are in a position to basically help other people through your own experience. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your starting out in your startup and, and the journey that you went through with that? Yeah, sure. No problem at all. Um, I Let's go all the way back. Let's go back to, to this is back in 2000, so it's a while ago now. Um, I took a business idea out to the market uh, looking for funding and failed miserably. Nobody wanted to back my idea. Um, now, the idea I had was to launch what would then have been the UK's first online pay-to-play bingo site. Now, this was something that was happening in the States, but hadn't come across the UK yet. Uh, so I took this idea out to the market. Everybody said, nope, it's never going to work. That won't, that won't happen at all. Um, but what I'd done as, as part of my sort of background research um, to the market was I'd, I'd built a very basic website and listed all the, the, there was about a dozen US bingo sites out there at the time, listed them on there and then put a, a very basic pop-up on there to get some demographics for the audience. So age, sex, expenditure, frequency, recency, all that sort of stuff. So how much they played bingo and all that sort of thing. So that I sounded like an expert when I did my presentation. Anyway, what happened was I failed with this presentation. I took it out to the, to the market. Nobody was interested. But what happened was a number of the bingo sites that were on my website contacted me and said, hey, can we advertise on your website? So I said, yeah, you know, send me some money and I'll, I'll put some ads on the website. Now, fortunately, my background uh, sort of pre this, this launch was I, I had sold advertising in newspapers and magazines. So it sort of was what I knew. And, and basically that website became the business. Um, so total accident, um, you know, as I say, people started sending us money for running ads and we said, oh, all right, well, you know, we'll give this a go and see what happens. And, and that's how the business started. Hey, how are you getting traffic to the, the site when you started it, Phil? Um, so this was, it, it was all natural organic traffic. It, and if you think at the time, there were probably, uh, when we first launched about a dozen US pay to play bingo sites that grew quite quickly, but there were very few review sites and, and we were okay. a directory. But it, in effect, we were the, we were the trip advisor gotcha. for online bingo in the US. So people were 
we listed all the sites. Uh, we had special offers and all that sort of thing. It was a very basic site at the time. Um, but we had people coming to the site to find sites to play at. So yeah. although my business idea was, was, was to be a, a site you played at, what I ended up with was a review site. Yep. And an affiliate site, really. That's right. Well, the, it, it, it was, um, in, in, the, in the early days, we were very, we, we, we went down the business model of, of straight advertising because that's what I knew. And, and basically, that, that was the safest way to do it. We, we uh, you know, a lot of these companies were based offshore. So they were in weird places that we had to look up on, on our atlas, you know, Costa Rica, Antigua, Dominican Republic, all these sort of places. So being safety conscious, I said, you send me the money. And then when the money lands, I'll run your ads for you. Um, and that was how we started. The first few years was, was all cash flow positive because that's the way we started. And then the market developed an affiliate model um, um, as it became more trustworthy and, and more established as a market, we went down the affiliate model. So we had a, a, a sort of a mixed business model. Right. And, um, and then how long did, did, that, did you build that website up for and what happened to it? Yeah, so we we um, we were very, you know, it, it was one of those sort of right place at the right time things, and and the market grew exponentially. Um, it took us five years to get a, an office and some staff, um, and after six years, they changed the law in the states and basically made it illegal. So the whole yeah. market sort of decamped to the UK. Um, but we were in the right, you know, we were ready. We knew it was going to come to the UK. So we had a website built, ready to go. And as the market joined the UK, we were there to, you know, to take advantage of that. And um, we grew and grew, you know, took on more staff, took on bigger projects, made the website bigger, had a couple of other secondary websites. And eventually um, we were approached by... Um, one of the big companies in in the market who were buying up the smaller companies who said do you want to sell and you know we'd always been get yeah, so people who run their own businesses sometimes get very very attached to them and yeah i'd always been of the of the opinion you know if you give you know if you give me enough money i'll quite happily give you the keys um and you know somebody gave us enough money and i gave them the keys <laughs> Right. And um, I mean, there must have been some some stuff to work through with employees and things like that. Yeah. So um, it, it, what employees in terms of the sale or just throughout the the, 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 the whole growth? Well, the um, your own employees, um, or did they keep work, stay with the company or yeah, what? So we, we had a we we had a very difficult difficult situation um in the uk i don't know i don't know what I don't know it's like in in australia but we have um what are called tupi laws whereby if you buy a company you've got to take the staff with them the the plc that bought us were um although they're listed on the london stock exchange they're not a uk company and don't have any staff in the uk at all so didn't want any of our staff so i had the uh, and this was probably the hardest thing I ever did in business. I had to walk into a meeting room full of my team and say to everybody, hey, guys, we've sold the business. And by the way, they don't want any of you. You've got three months notice. 
Yeah. And, and that was really, of, as you might expect, that was really a really difficult thing to do. Um, but we, you know, we, we gave everybody a retention bonus. So they, they got a bonus at the end, end of the three months. And we allowed everybody to take as much time off to go for job interviews and stuff like that. So although, you know, it was very emotional at the end when we all left, the vast majority of my team ended up with a, a nice big lump sum on the Friday and a new job on the Monday because they'd all set themselves up. So, it, you know, it worked out in the end. But, but yeah, it is difficult when you sell a business and, and what happens with staff. But normally the staff go with and then it's, you know, it's up to them to determine how they get on with the new owners and that sort of thing. Although actually a couple, a couple of my team ended up freelancing for the new owners. Um, even though they said they didn't, they didn't want any of the team. And they didn't want you there either for a transitionary period. Well, we 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 had a three month transition period. Yeah, just three um, months. But actually, at, at right at the start of, of the negotiation of the deal, um, and I, I I knew the CEO of the company. We we'd come across each other a number of times in the past. Um, right at the start of negotiations, he said. You know, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay on? Do you want to consult? Do you want, you know, do you just want to walk away? What, you know, he asked me what I wanted to do. And I just said, I'd got to the point where I said, look, you know, as I said, you, you give me the money, I'll give you the keys. I'm very happy to walk away. So I ended up with a, a two year non compete, which was fine because I had no intention of going back into the market. Um, but yeah, it was quite straightforward, really. And, um, I mean, do you want to tell us uh, what they bought you out for? Uh, well, we had, um, the, the marketplace we were in was, it was quite open. There was a, there was a lot of M&A activity going on and the, at least the multiples, although maybe not the figures, but the multiples were very public. So we knew market value at the time was about somewhere between five and five and a half times EBITDA. Um, we ended up at somewhere near six and a half. So I was, I was happy with that. And you were happy. And, yeah. And more, more important than that. And I, I speak to clients about this a lot when they talk about, um, selling their business. It's not necessarily, I mean, obviously the actual, you know, the amount of dollars, the amount of pounds is important, but actually what is also important is the structure of the deal. You know, a lot of sales will be you know a certain amount down and then the balance over maybe a, a three-year period or a four-year period or it might be reliant on on certain sales figures or something like that so it's lots of caveats the deal we did we had all our money out after the three-month handover period so not only were we happy um with the with the price we, you know one of the things that we were happy to go with was the structure of the deal as well. And as I say, I when I talk to clients about this, I always talk to them about the structure of the deal, not necessarily the uh, the figure, because the, yeah. the, the, the two the two are different. And you know, depending on as a seller, depending on your financial requirements at the time, and you know, some of this is trust in terms of the buyers as well. You know, it might be that you, you know, you drop, you maybe lose. I don't know, pick a, pick a random number. You might, it, the deal might be a hundred thousand pounds less with, with offer A than offer B, but you get it all in six months rather than wasting yeah. five years for it. Do you know what? For a hundred grand and getting it now, I'll, I'll, you know, 
a lot of people will go, do you know, I'll take that. Yeah, you never know when the next COVID or whatever's going to happen. Who knows? Who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this company, they obviously expected this to be something that they could grow and build and continue on. Did it pan out for them that way? Uh, I, I believe so. Um, you know, I haven't really, I've sort of kept one eye on it, um, but I don't know the numbers. Um, but, you know, they've kept the brand. It's, it's still very high profile in the market. They, you know, they mention it regularly in their um, annual reports. So it's, you know, they have, they have a lot of websites, but this is, uh, yeah. remain this has remained one of their flagships as far as i'm aware so yeah, still going. yeah they haven't killed it off so it must be working no. for them yeah all right. right and now that you've got uh you've got all this time on your hands and you've had this experience and how long did that experience take by the way so that was that was an 18 year journey so journey. you know it, it, it's funny because i do a bit of angel investing now so i'm on the other side of the fence now yeah, and um, so now you're able to talk to people. You've got something called the business sounding board where you're somewhere between a business coach, business mentor, and a personal NED. Yep. Yeah. What's a personal NED, first of all? Okay, so people will, people will be aware of the, of, of, of the position of a non-exec director. That's somebody who sits with the board and sort of has a, a, a helicopter view of a business and, and yeah. sort of give their advice. Uh, so very big picture stuff. So I like to, to position myself as doing that for the business owner themselves. So I don't, I don't advise the business. I advise the business owner. Um, so I'm, I'm advising him and then it's up to him to then take what we discuss and, and, and implement it. I think that this would be very valuable. Um, your whole experience with the building up the business and then the, the the process of being acquired, I think there would not be many coaches that have that experience. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, I, I, and and this is one of the reasons I, I I call myself a business sounding board because that's what I do. I, I'm I'm just there to to discuss things with the business owner. It's very easy. To, to to read a you know a coaching manual or or I don't know if you've got them over in Australia but over here in the UK we have uh, coaching franchises so it's sort of franchise uh, it's coaching out of a box now yeah. if I'm a business owner if I'm a business owner I want advice from somebody who's been there and done it somebody who's you know who's had the sleepless nights the working at the weekends the working you know sitting by the pool having to miss things on holiday because they you know some crisis has happened back in the office i've done all those things yeah and i think i think that experience adds value to how i can help and assist business owners in the same situation because if you've not been in that situation yourself it's very very hard to to advise from a, a position of you know not having done it oh absolutely and um and there is so much difference between somebody who's sort of quoting out of a coaching manual about some sort of uh you know you know i don't know some process of that's going to change the leadership for them whereas when you know you when you've been in the trenches and you've had all of the things go wrong you've had all of the stresses you've had the market you know die on you and all of that stuff the, that real pressure that business owners have and um the the people that you're coaching uh, will will respect that and um you know like you've got skin in the game it's one of the things i have about 
I like to see with coaches that they they have skin in the game and they're not just uh, you know preaching from ivory towers and all of that. So I think um, very interesting. If you are in business, uh, Phil is somebody that has a lot of experience, and um, uh, there's a lot of people out there that are uh, you know have corporate businesses or or they they're in that world where people are potentially going to acquire their business. So. I am, this is a different type of coaching as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I think um, definitely I think this would be quite valuable for the right type of people. Who would be the right type of people, Phil? Um, I think it's it, it's interesting. It's not it, – um, it's very sector agnostic. I think it's the type of business owner who is open to new ideas, is open to, to, to being challenged, and but more importantly, wants to get to the next stage. You know, the, the time we look for help and advice is when we're stuck. Now that might be a positive stuck or a negative stuck. You know, I've got a problem, I really don't know how to do this, I need some help, or I've got this opportunity, I don't know how to maximize it, or just that you don't know what you don't know. So it's really business owners who are who want to develop themselves, who want to become a better business owner. Um you know, I, I often say, you know, I help business owners become better business owners because better business owners own better businesses. Now you say that, Julian. Um, but that, but that's yeah. what I do. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you, you've got all this stuff that you're doing and, and you're busy and you've got things happening, but you know that you need to actually allocate time to speak to somebody because you know that um, you're taking your eye off of the, the the growth and the direction and and the future of the business and um this is why I, I tell people if you can find a good a good coach um it's you, you've got to schedule it in you've got to cost it into what you're doing and um it's it, it's hardest for people that are kind of solo preneurs and for them to take that leap and then start to to, to speak to somebody but immensely valuable in my opinion and how do people interact with you, Phil? What's the first step? What does it involve? A, a, a strategy call? Yeah, so normally it will be, it will just be a chat. It's, you know, one of the one of the important things for anybody who's getting any type of coaching is they need to be able to connect with their coach. And what I will do is I will have a half an hour to an hour with the business owner and just say, okay, tell me everything. And they'll, you know, they'll do a bit, they'll do a brain dump. Firstly, it allows me to understand their issues and their business and that type of stuff. But it also allows us to, to work out whether we're going to work together. Because don't forget, and, and, and actually, coaching business owners is, is an odd one. Because as a business owner, you have to have a certain amount of ego to do that. You know, you've, you've got to be a certain type of person. Now, for that type of personality that that person with a bit of an ego to actually hold their hand up and go hey i need some help is is quite a big step for them so they so they need to be able to connect with me and i need to be able to connect with them and you know i'll have a complete free of charge no no cost involved i'll have a chat with anybody might even be able to help them there and then on a couple of minor things and then it's a question of okay do we want you know do you want to work with me do i want to work with you it's very and it and it's very bespoke. There's no process. There's no system. It's very. How do you want me to help you? Yeah, and um, and then do you 
most people they do it uh, weekly, monthly. What do they do? Have a have a Skype session? Uh, sorry, a Zoom session with you? What do they? Yeah, the, at the moment it's a sort of a sort of a standard starter pack, and I, I, I don't package these sort of things, but it tends to be. Uh, over a three-month period, we'll have a monthly face-to-face -face or Zoom, and every fortnight there'll be a, um, a phone call. So that's probably six, six meetings over a three- to four-month period, and then we'll see where we're at. Because I think anything shorter than that, I don't think my clients are going to get the full benefit. I think anything that short, if you're, you know, if you really want to see some change, it's got to have some, you've got to put some time and some effort into it. Yeah. Um, and I always say, to, I say the same thing to everybody. I say, look, after three months, if you're not happy, I'll give you money back. No excuses. You don't have to justify why you want it because I think I, you know, I believe in what I can help, but, but over three, you know, if we've had six meetings over three months and you as a client, haven't seen a benefit then hey i've not done my job properly so i'm quite happy to give you my money your money back nobody's nobody's ever asked for it or taken it so you know to date everybody's been happy so that's fantastic and and, and my aim i always say my aim for a client is is i want them to give me a testimonial that's my target because if they're happy to give me a testimonial we've done something right Exactly, yeah. <clears throat> and um, so your website is phil1lfraser.co.uk. That's phil right, yeah. So philfraser.co.uk. Don't go to philfraser.com because that's a, a medieval reenactment costume company. So if you see the Robin Hood and that type of thing and bows and arrows and things, that's the wrong site. That's not me. It's <laughs> philfraser.co.uk. But obviously, you're in Australia. I can work with clients all over the world. It's not a problem. I can, uh, you know, I, what I can do, I can do on Zoom and phone call. That's no problem whatsoever. Awesome. All right. So, uh, yeah, philfraser.co.uk. Uh, if you want to have somebody that's got some real-world experience and um, probably some unique experience and uh, help you in your direction, I guess, and taking you to the next level and just scheduling in that that process into what you're doing so that you're always got your eyes you know a couple of months ahead even while you're tackling all of the stuff that you're tackling in the trenches so thanks for coming on phil i think that was pretty informative for a lot of people thank you very much julie it's been an absolute pleasure no worries at all thanks for listening everyone i'll see you next time on another episode bye bye